Russian history reading is found recorded according to the four Gospels, and we hear of Jesus' death on the cross. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. It was the third hour when they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left, and Jesus in the middle. Thus the scripture was fulfilled, which says, He was counted with the lawless ones. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened above his head on the cross. The written charge against him read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The sign was read, written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. They cast lots to see what each would get. The undergarment remained. It was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. The people too stood watching. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. Even the rulers sneered at him. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others. They said, but he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross. This, that we may see and believe. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him heaped insults on him. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, 
He said to his mother, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. It was now the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. But the rest said, leave him alone now. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him and take him down. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he bowed his head and gave up his life. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. The centurion who stood there in front of Jesus and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. They were terrified, yet they praised God, saying, Surely this was a righteous man. Surely he was the Son of God. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him stood at a distance. They included many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs, among them Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph, and Salome the mother of Zebedee's sons. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may have faith. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, beginning at the 15th verse. At the time of the festival, the governor had a custom to release the, to the crowd any prisoner they wanted. 
After that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when they assembled, Pilate said to them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For Pilate knew that they had handed Jesus over to him because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, Pilate's wife sent him a message. Have nothing to do with that righteous man, she said, since I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the, and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus put to death. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they said. Barabbas, they said. Pilate said to them, then what should I do with this Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, crucify him. But the governor said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting even louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing, and that instead it was turning into a riot. He took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd, and said, I am innocent of this righteous man's blood. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it was about 20 years ago that I was introduced to the program that was actually presented by our principal at the time when we had the school. And the program was actually one to help with classroom management and specifically dealing with discipline of your students. The program was called Love and Logic, and it was a very unique program because it really discouraged disciplining children by simply yelling at them. Let, let's say Johnny's playing with his phone. The worst thing you can do is say, Johnny, put away that phone. All it tends to do is put a wall up, but Love and Logic would suggest that what you need to do is have the child make a decision but you give him the options, and only have two. But again, he gets to make the choice. Now, when you come to make the options, only the teacher can do that. You can't let the student make his own options. And in addition, they have to be realistic. Like, for instance, you cannot say to Johnny, put away that phone or you will die. Okay, that does not work. That's unrealistic. So instead, you would say something like, Johnny, either put away the phone or I get to keep it for the rest of the day. And again, he gets to make the choice. Now, if he comes to you and says, well, I need to think about it, then instantly that means you take the phone away from him. He's made his choice. And it wasn't the choice to put it away. Love and logic. When I read this beautiful section of scripture here as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, I can't help but think about that. Here's Pilate letting those people make the option, but he presented the two candidates, Barabbas and Jesus. Again, allowing them to make the choice 
which one he should release to them. Now, this is way before Love and Logic ever became a program. And I don't believe for one minute that what Pilate was doing was really love to begin with, but rather self-preservation. Pilate didn't love the Jews, and they didn't love him. In fact, Pilate was known to be a very cruel ruler. He was actually a governor and probably being sent to one of the worst places you could go to as governor. Being governor in the area of Judea and Samaria and Galilee, that whole area, was, was, was not the dream job at all. In fact, Pilate was known to actually have people murdered and take their blood and mix it in with the sacrifices uh, and then burn that to their God. Again, very cruel. No love whatsoever. So here's Pilate being handed this Jesus. And Pilate didn't take long to figure out that he was receiving this Jesus, not because Jesus did anything that was worthy of death, and especially death by crucifixion. They knew that he knew that they were handing him over, these religious leaders, because they were envious and jealous of him. They just hated him. And they were going to stop at nothing to have Jesus put to death. So Pilate came up with actually three different um, approaches, if you will, in order to have Jesus released to try to avoid a riot and face a mob. The first thing he did is saying, well, he's a Jew, you, you judge him by your own laws. Well, they had already done that. In fact, the, just the very night before, they had decided that Jesus was worthy of death because of blasphemy. And therefore, he had to die. But they couldn't go to Pilate to say that, because again, Pilate wasn't a Jew. He didn't love the Jews. So they came up with three other charges. One was he's usurping authority, starting up in Galilee and coming all the way down to here. And he's refusing to pay taxes. And finally, he claims to be Christ the King. That's the one, that last one, is what Pilate actually interrogates Jesus on. And it was a rather short interrogation. Pilate's mind was already made up. Jesus was innocent. Well, that didn't work with the Jewish leaders at all. And it was definitely not acceptable by the crowd that was obviously growing. So then Pilate took another approach, and he decided, since he heard that this Jesus started in Galilee, then he must be a Galilean, and if he's a Galilean, then why don't we let the Galilean ruler take care of him? We'll let King Herod make a judgment. King Herod happened to be in the town at the time. Jesus goes, is being sent over to Herod, who also interrogates Jesus, hoping to see some miracles from Jesus. Jesus said nothing to him. Finally, he had him beaten, beaten and sent back to Pilate. Pilate made it clear to the Jewish leaders, Herod didn't even put him to death. Herod didn't do anything to him. So clearly he is innocent. But the people insisted. 
that Jesus needs to be crucified. Now comes to the third approach. It was the custom of Pilate that during the Passover, he would release one prisoner, the prisoner they wanted. But he didn't bring out just any prisoner. And I really don't believe that they, he brought out a prisoner they really wanted. He brought out a prisoner that he wasn't in jail for a hangnail, and he wasn't there because he stole some bread. This guy did not commit a misdemeanor. He was a felon. He was an insurrectionist. He, he actually committed murder. This is a man that you do not bring home to mom and dad because you, you're proud to call him boyfriend. This is actually a, a, a man who's actually worthy of death by crucifixion. So here he has Jesus who has already been beaten, standing there, no doubt blood all over the place. And then this Barabbas. Are you going to choose this Jesus, who, by the way, is innocent, or are you going to choose this Barabbas, who is actually guilty? His plan didn't work. By the way, uh, another way to look at this is, in some manuscripts, is they actually add the word Jesus to Barabbas. Many scholars don't believe that that should ever be considered part of the original. But if his name did start with Jesus, then Pilate was basically asking them, well, which Jesus do you want? By the way, the one thing we do know is Barabbas' name is actually the Hebrew word for son of the father. And I find that very ironic because here you have the son of the father going by that name, and over here you have Jesus who is the true Son of the Father, who is the true Son of God, the very one who is not making full and constant use of his divine power and glory, the very one who's going to be taking on the sins of the world, all according to the Father's plan. This is the very one who not only is going to take on our sins, but he's going to suffer the punishment for those sins. The very one who's going to win for us the hope of everlasting life. Because on the cross, he's going to win for us with his perfect life, the forgiveness of sins. So here, the very Son of God, who's paying for the sins of the world, is also paying for the sins of Barabbas. A man who, again, was an insurrectionist and a murderer. A man, you could say, doesn't deserve salvation. He's a guilty man. He's worthy of death. And Jesus would pay for his sins too. But don't overlook the fact that Jesus is paying for the sins of everyone. And everyone, as the scripture makes clear over and over again, everyone is a sinner. Which means each and every one of us are by nature Without God, we are his enemy. And that's who Jesus is dying for. Not for people who loved him, or who cared for him, or who supported him. He's dying for sinners who need a Savior. Who's dying for sinners 
are guilty and are under the fear of death. And that's what Jesus is doing. Yes, for you and me. And for a guy like Barabbas as well. The people kept yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate would even get in an argument. And it was during that time when Pilate's wife sent him a message. And I can't help but wonder, I wonder how often she actually sent him messages when he's having a trial. I wouldn't be surprised. This is probably the one and only time. We just don't know. But here's what we do know. She said she had a dream. And the last time that a Gentile had a dream that would have come from God was actually the Magi when God came to them and told them to take another route. Don't go back to King Herod after they had brought their kingly gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh to the Christ child. Now we have a Gentile, the Pilate's wife, receiving a dream, and she came to two conclusions. One is, have nothing to do with this man. And the second, he is a righteous man. She doesn't call him innocent, which means not guilty. She calls him a righteous man. This is a man who is right with God. And being right with God, putting him to death would be the worst thing. She's, it's as if she's saying, Pilate, don't do this. You're going to answer to God. But the crowd kept yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Seeing that a riot was ready to start to save his own skin, he grabs some water, washes his hands in front of him and says, it's your responsibility. But he does give the permission. He does grant it. They have Jesus suffer and die on the cross. Even though Pilate is washing his hands and said, this is not my responsibility, this is yours, he cannot pass the buck. We confess in our creeds that Jesus suffered and died under Pontius Pilate, and we do so rightly. Just like you and I can't just say, well, it's not our responsibility when it comes to our own sins. We cannot, we cannot justify our own sins. We cannot make excuses for our own sins or think that we shouldn't be held accountable for our own sins when in actuality we can't wash our hands clean because of our sins. And along with it, we are definitely held responsible not only for the sins, but also for the guilt of those sins, as well as the fear of death because of those sins. It is only by God's grace, my dear friends, that we are saved. It is only by God's grace that, that our Savior would give his life for us. None of us deserved it. None of us can claim to have earned it. But Jesus won it for us. And once again, we can't thank him enough for that. And by the way, it's also by God's grace that God calls us to repent of our sins. Yes, confess our sins. 
Lord, I'm a sinful human being. Have mercy on me, O God. But we do so with a believing heart, trusting in the forgiveness and the salvation that is ours by the very one, the only one, who is called the Son of the Father. That, my friends, is truly our Savior. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.